And we are back, finally coming to you about an hour, over an hour, really over an hour late now. But listen, it's 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 a hell of a time right now. <laughs> like, we, it certainly we, is. We currently broke the record for our latest uh, showing right now so far. We did, but that's okay. So welcome back to Let's Talk Movies. I'm Brad. I'm Miguel. And it is good to finally be back. This is the show that we were supposed to do on Saturday morning, uh, but now we are finally here to talk resident evil with the with the new trailer uh for the netflix series coming out <clears throat> uh this is something that we've wanted to talk about for a long time something that's kind of weighed on me as a big resident evil fan for a long time why can't we get a live adaptation of resident evil right miguel that's the question of the evening is why is it so difficult and, and really even looking further looking past resident evil looking at um at, at video game adaptations like why are video game adaptations so difficult to translate to the big screen whether it's in a tv series whether it's in like a, you know a full feature length film um you know resident evil is a prime example of like it, it's always struggled i think to please everybody and granted it it you're never going to please fans. You're never going to completely please everybody, you know, but, mm -hmm. um, but they've taken some, <laughs> listen, those resident evil live action films, whether we're talking welcome to raccoon city, whether we're talking, uh, you know, the Paul W.S. Anderson series, like they've taken some wild turns over the years. So, yeah. And I'm sure there's like the multiple areas in regards to like why that is the case. Why, uh, video game adaptations just don't seem to hit so i yeah. mean i'm not sure i guess it's, i mean i'm sure there's multiple uh reasons behind it but i mean i'm sure we're gonna go through most of them today yeah and i don't know i i resident evil is the one that kind of clings to me because a I, if you're a resident evil fan which i mean both of us are i've said this numerous times resident evil is the thing that got me into horror i mean if you look at the history of resident evil resident evil was um when it came out in 1996 i believe um you know resident evil literally defined the survival horror genre in video games it did um it was the first real survival horror video game it was really the first survival horror you know piece in that genre and the the story is so rich. The lore is so rich. Like there's so much to pull from. And I think that may be part of where the issue lies. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Is that there's so much source material to pull from. And I mean, that's, I think part, part of the reason that you can never please everybody is because there are certain, you know, everybody's got, everybody's fans of different aspects of that source material. So it's like, you know, if you throw in, you know, X, Y, and Z, all the people that wanted A, B, and C to be in there are going to be like, oh, come on, man, why did you have... You know what I mean? They're going to be like, well, you didn't put in the part that I wanted to see. Like, I think that's part of it. Um, mm -hmm. But we're, we'll we'll really dive into this a little bit more. Uh, first off, though, I want to do a beer review because we haven't done a You've beer review. You've never had in the time. garage? No. Is this new? No, it's not new. Oh, well, I've never I've had, had that this. before. So this is Braxton Brewing Company in Covington, Kentucky. Got to get local. Uh, this is their garage beer, and it's got that classic, just it looks kind of plain and vanilla like a garage looks. So I can't get the can open. Are you but, serious, bro? It's a can. I know, but I, it's my finger's not big enough to get under the, the little hole. 
Do you mean small enough? Because I've met some, I've yeah. met some pretty, I've met some individuals with some fat ass fingers, and, and like I have to help them ooh, crack ooh, open ooh. a cold. We gotta, we got it foaming a little bit. You're gonna suck on the foam, and then you're gonna give us a taste. No, don't do that. Yep. Yep. Now for the poor, you give it like a full one. For the poor, oh shit, I'm spilling. For the poor, that's such. That was the worst pour. You saw that, right? You saw that spill. Guys, uh, in the comments, let me know. Should I teach him how to pour a beer? Because obviously... I know how to pour a beer. Are we sure about that? Okay, I may have done a crappy job, but let me, let me, let me live, Miguel. Let me, uh, let me have my time to shine. See, as a friend, I can't let you live like that, though. (laughs) (laughs) So... You can't let me go. It's like, like it's that. like I grab you on the shoulder and it's like the color. I'm gonna the help color. You it's got a good color. It's got that nice amber herd. No color. If it was amber herd color, it would be brown. Because she pooped on people's <laughs> beds. <laughs> I'm kidding. All right, here for the taste test. Oh Braxton Garage. Does it taste like fecal matter on a mattress? No. It's pretty good. Okay. I like it. Just like typical, just typical beer. Tastes like beer. It's, it's a good. it's just it's, a good old American beer. There you go. We do not it's have the little, knowledge it's to. It's got a little bit of hop. A little bit of hop. What is a, a hop, hop, my guy? What? What is the a hop? hop? The hoppiness is like the wheat, the wheat flavor. Okay, good. I was, I was concerned. I know. I look. I know beer, hop. bro. I know beer. I know beer. We all know beer. Water droplet on my glasses. Mm. By the way, if you see me wearing glasses, I did not get. Uh, I, I have perfect vision, but his eyes are not. Um bad no they're just I, bad my <laughs> they don't suck they just suck uh i my eyes are light sensitive though like i have 20 20 vision but they are sensitive to light so like that's why uh i got these bad boys to see if hopefully um since i'm staring at a screen so much between the show and between uh my job and looking at my phone and you know i'm on a screen a lot so We'll see if these help. I mean, I don't. I'm not wearing them all the time. This is honestly, doing this show is the first time I've worn them. So, and there is a little bit of a. It, there's a slight difference. Slight difference. Tough in life. Tint, tint to everything. I know, right? Tough life. I'm listen. I'm glad. As I for can, all the people that live their life in a blur and have to pay to be able to see, you know, it's actually really bad. We, we have to pay, you know, a certain amount of money just so we can see that. clearly. So, I mean, it's all right. It's whatever. It's fair. That is fair. So, um, before we get into this discussion, full disclaimer, and I, I think it's important that we say this, we are fans of Paul W.S. Anderson's Resident Evil series, as well as the brand new um, Johannes Roberts' most recent adaptation of the two games, Welcome to Raccoon City. We enjoy those films quite a lot, if I might add, but... With that being said, um, again, this is something that's bothered me for a long time. I don't think Resident Evil has ever reached its full potential of what it could be in a live action setting. Would you agree with that? Yeah, I would agree. I would agree with that for almost every single one of these uh, video game adaptations, honestly. <coughs> and, even looking uh, like Mortal Kombat type stuff, you know what I mean? Oh, don't even start on Mortal Kombat. That's a whole different discussion. Yeah. Like, even like the, I think that was the first like video game adaptation that we've gotten. Yeah. If I'm not mistaken. So, yeah. And look how much of a travesty that was. Well, the first one was all right, but the yeah. sequels were fucking trash, dog. So, yeah. with that being said, um, why? 
why is it that every single time we get excited for a video game adaptations adaptation and then we just get completely disappointed at the end you're well for me and i will say one thing because we probably don't have the answer for it but there is one movie one franchise in particular that's doing pretty well as an adaptation and i'll let you figure out which one that is which one are you talking about uh it's recent more recent more recent already it already has a sequel it started out with a lot of hate with the sneak peek they changed a bunch of shit. They changed Sonic? one specific. Are you talking yeah. about Sonic? Yeah, Sonic. I, have, I haven't seen either one of them, so I can't really comment on what, you know how well of a job they did. Um, I, yeah. I haven't. Seen well, they look as fun, far though. as I'm concerned. Look yeah. time. And as far as I'm concerned, guys, um, if there's another like video game adaptation that you guys swear up and down that you think does the video game justice or even surpasses it please let me know, like put it down in the comments. Cause I'd love to check them out. Yeah. Cause overall my experience with like video game adaptation adaptations are pretty terrible. I'm not going to lie. Yeah. So, so far Sonic is the only one that I know that is decently uh, adapted from the video games. And that's it. Yeah. Other than that, I can't think of anything else that truly does the video games justice. Well, first of all, um, this beer is like a seven. It's a solid 7.0 for me. I'm going to give it a solid 7.0. Yeah, I was like, you didn't uh, even give it a taste. Second of all, my brain kind of goes to two things. My First of all, I think in a video game, you know, you have to think about the gameplay. Like, especially if you're adapting it for a, 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 a series or uh, <laughs> a series or um, like a full feature film. The gameplay matters and how you translate that how you present that on the big screen matters because you know what you know i don't know if you think of your favorite video game like i I, honestly i'm thinking of like prototype was the first one that came to mind if you remember prototype from like 2012 13 somewhere in there um Mm -hmm. maybe even before that uh i loved that game but again how you would present that game presented itself almost like an open world spider-man game that's kind of how it presented itself, but with a Resident Evil style story. How you translate these things to the screen matters. Um, and I think, you know, with Resident Evil, what what Welcome to Raccoon City got right was they did kind of go back to some of the survival horror elements. And it was kind of creepy crawly and it, there were jump scares and it was it was more of a horror movie. Whereas the Paul W.S. Anderson films, the first one, I could say that was a horror movie. It was a pretty, there were some scary moments in it. Uh, The second one, okay. I mean, we had Alice dropkicking Nemesis, which was interesting. But like, you know, as the, especially the Paul W.S. Anderson series went on, um, it became much more of an action. it, It was really more of an action movie than it was a zombie, you know, supernatural horror movie you know um Mm -hmm. so i think how you present the switch to live action matters the other thing is again going back to the source material like i think about you know if you think about the story for resident evil uh 28 entries 26 27 28 entries um in this franchise like that's a lot of source material and you know it's good source material when 
all the spin, like you have so many spinoffs that kind of connect everything and just like weave their way. They like weave their way through the story. You know what I mean? So I think yeah. again, you're never going to satisfy anybody because you're going to have to leave things out. You know what I mean? If, uh, you know, we even said this um, in our, our trailer reaction for the resident evil Netflix series a couple days ago. Um, you know, if you were to put in everything that you really wanted to put in, uh, especially from a game, from a video game series like Resident Evil into a movie or a TV show, it, it, you would, I mean, it would, it would be a whole season or it would be a five, it would be a four or five hour movie if you really wanted to do that. And you can't do that, you know? So I don't know. I, those are kind of two things. And you also have to think about like, not everybody is going to, you also have to present it in a way, again, general audiences. What are general audiences going to want to see? What are they going to be interested in? What are they going to want to watch? You know what I mean? I think mm -hmm. that's another thing that you have to think about too, because a general audience member is not going to want to sit through two and a half hours of story on a game they've never played and know nothing about, you know? So it's, it's a very, it's a very, very, very fine line. Why and, not though? Why? I mean, but you know, why, why is that? Because I mean, people, people sit through and, they they go through the cutscenes of right. the first run through of Resident Evil, and that's what hooks them in. So I mean, well, like, why is that? And that was that was targeted towards the general audience as well. So yeah. uh, my question is, could... why is there a difference in the experience with video game lovers and uh, moviegoers? But I mean, you could even—that's a good point, honestly. And you could even argue that people go when you you know when you see a, a standalone film, you know, uh, an original film in the movie theater and you're, you see a trailer and you're like, Hey, that looks pretty good. You know, you don't know anything about mm -hmm. it. You don't know anything about the lore. You don't really have any expectations. You just, why do people go see that? You know? So that's a mm -hmm. good point too. I, this is, this is what I wanted this to be kind of a discussion. And, and if you're watching after the fact, please let us know. Um, some of you might, some of you might look at this thumbnail and be like, what the, what are they talking about? Like it hasn't struggled. And listen, I don't mean financial struggle. I don't mean success. box office struggle. Uh, yeah. That's no, not, that's not what I mean. I mean, from a fan perspective, I am speaking as a fan of the video games. Why is it that as a fan, I have always felt slightly, uh, what's the word? Um, I, I don't know. Not disappointed. Not disappointed. Disappointed isn't the right word because I enjoyed seeing all of them. I mean, they were fun. Um under-enthusiastic. I've always wanted Under more, I think. Yeah. That's a good way of putting it. I've always wanted more out of it. More than we've ever gotten. Um, you felt unsatisfied with them. Yeah, so yeah, and not completely unsatisfied. Not, I mean, I didn't walk away from Resident Evil, the final chapter, going, well, that was crap. Like, that was awful. That was, You know what I mean? I didn't think that. Mm -hmm. You know, listen, my dad, other than uh, the first one and maybe the second one, definitely the third one. Because I remember when the trailer for Resident Evil Extinction dropped. Um, and I, I know from Extinction to the final chapter, we saw every single one in the theater. Um, I don't think I was old enough to see. I was still pretty young when the first one came out. And then I, I don't believe I saw Apocalypse in the movie theater too. But I saw Extinction, Afterlife, Retribution, and the final chapter in the movie theater. Um and they were fun. I had a blast. We looked forward to doing that. There, listen, there was a jump scare. There is a jump scare at the end, or right at the very, it's in like the first five minutes of the final chapter 
where Alice looks into a lake and a zombie come. It's one of the Resident Evil Five ones where it like the stuff like comes out of its mouth. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. And it's like the tendrils coming out, and it jumps out at her, and we were both like, oh, fuck. like it was a scary scene. Like it was, a, it was a good jump scare. Um, they have their moments, uh, but you know, let, let's kind of look at the two big live action adaptations we have so far. We have the Paul W S Anderson films, um, and we have. Resident Evil Welcome to Raccoon City, which is, you know, the more fresh. Uh, we did a whole review to that. You could check that out on our channel as well. I think it's episode, f- it's in the 50s, I believe. It's like 53 or something like that. Um, you know, what was your biggest deal? I- I'm curious if we're on the same page. What was your bit, now that you've had time to kind of think about it, and it- it's not, f- it's not really fresh anymore. What was your biggest issue with Welcome to Raccoon City? It was the fact that um, it's pretty much what I've said before, and it's something that I'm sure I will reiterate, like to the day I die, unless they do something different with it. Is the fact that like this this Resident Evil Welcome to Raccoon City is a good zombie movie. It's just the fact that they placed the tagline that it's Resident Evil and it's Raccoon yeah. City is why it doesn't hit the mark. <laughs> Not saying it sucks. I'm saying it just does not hit the mark because when you l- put that tag on there, you want to see true, um, true representation of all those characters. Yeah. And what I didn't quite understand was the amount of liberties that they took for these established characters, because there's a difference between changing the appearance of these characters and changing the way they act. And I'm sure the one you'll definitely agree with me on Leon. is, and yeah, is Leon Kennedy. Is Leon Kennedy in the movie, in the video games, is a scared rookie cop in the first uh, introduction of him. Well, he he's a scared a, rookie cop. He is but scared, but he's not he like a blubbering idiot, though. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, he's he got some not, common he, sense. He is not a Drake. Yeah. Yeah, he is not Drake Bell from Drake and Josh. (laughs) I got you. He is not Drake Bell. I swear to God, but they made him look out to it. Look out to be. Like, honestly, that's the way it could be. The thing that killed me with Leon, well, two things is, first of all, it acted like he didn't know how to use a gun. Like when he, when the guy Mm -hmm. turns into a zombie and they're, when they're in like the, where the the jail cell room at the bottom of uh, the raccoon police department and he's like, I don't know, like, he, he misses a bunch, and he can't get, like, he can't get it loaded, and it's just like, what the, f- what? Bro, like, well, dude, dude he, he went through the police he academy, got like, here. yeah, he but got he still would have had to he, go through the police he, academy, they wouldn't have, they wouldn't have passed Yeah, I know, but that I think, I think I remember from the movie that he, uh, he accidentally shot someone, and that's why he got transferred. Maybe, I don't I know. I think that's what um, happened. Well, again, it's really, really like it's been a while since I've seen it. But you guys are, should understand the perspective I'm coming from is the fact that you have a really <laughs> like established zombie character in in zombie genre and in, in the genre of zombies, you have an established character, a staple, if you will, because mm-hmm. you have obviously The Walking Dead and Rick Grimes. You have Leon Kennedy with Resident Evil, and you also have fuck, I forgot his name. What's his name and uh, 28 weeks later? Uh, Killian Murphy's character. Killian Murphy. Yeah. He's you only in 28 staples. days, though. Yeah, but like, when you I don't think, think of, he's like, as much of a zombies. staple. I don't know. There's a few different staples you could I say. I would say. 
There's a yeah, few different. But... There's a few different ones. Okay, fair. But you get what I'm saying is there are so many staple characters over here, and we know how they act, we know what they do, and we know their yeah. story. So for the direction that they took for Leon is what really just you know put a sour taste in a lot of our mouths. When we saw Leon Kennedy, we were expecting a badass, but yeah. we didn't get a badass. We got Drake Bell, I guess, and I know Drake well, Bell is doing some shit right now, so I don't mean to compare thing- him, but. The thing that killed me about Leon is especially when he's sitting at the desk and he's got he's got those, you know, 90s headphones like, bro, come on. They're not they're not beats like they're you'd be able to hear that semi that crashes out in the front. And he's sitting there and he's just like he's just asleep at the desk or whatever. And the semi crashes and there's an explosion Mm -hmm. and it's Mm -hmm. raining and all this stuff is going on. And the whole and homeboy walks in. That was stupid. Him having like walking in on fire. Uh, He just kind of like. Yep, and he just falls over, and he guess just what? Leon is still on then... his fucking CD player. Yeah, and it's like, dude, what? Like you, yeah. w- you would have heard that, you would have felt that. Um, so I, I didn't agree with the characterization. My biggest issue of of Welcome to Raccoon City was the amount of source material that they cut out in order to just do the Raccoon City storyline. Um, yeah, so this is what I figured was what they did. They saw the entire storyboard. They had all the source material, and they didn't think about okay, how can we line this up correctly? It's okay. Everyone knows about that story. Everyone knows about this story. Everyone knows about those stories. So let's pull them together, throw them in an hour and a half, and then people will be happy. Yeah, because it was all about eye candy at that point in regards to the story. My thought is that entire movie should have taken place at the mansion. Welcome to Raccoon City. And I don't know, maybe it couldn't have been called Welcome to Raccoon City. But this Resident Evil reboot should have entirely been a just a an adaptation. I hit my mic. It should have just been an adaptation of the first game. Of Are you Resident sure those glasses aren't prescriptions? Yep. <laughs> right? My brother it, can't see right now. Jesus. I, re- I really like the mansion stuff. I thought the stuff at the mansion was the best part of that entire movie. Um I think the Raccoon City outbreak deserves its own, like, it, like, and I know they're related. I mean, they are related, but the Raccoon City outbreak and the mansion incident should have been their own thing. That, they should have, mm-hmm. you know, they can bleed into each other because they do bleed into each other. I mean, they take place, you know, right after one another, but, or as a result of the other, I should say. Um, but the mansion stuff was so good. And I think you could have really told if you would have started with the Bravo team thing um, and you would have, you know, then alpha team comes to save them or whatever. And then they get chased in by the dogs and you tell the whole mansion story. And, you know, it's them uncovering this whole conspiracy about umbrella and what's going on with the viral testing. Like, like that could have been a really, really cool movie. And if you would have ended that movie, you could have ended that first film with the beginning of the raccoon city outbreak similar to what happened uh and i still love the end of paul ws anderson's uh first resident evil film when alice comes out of the umbrella hospital and it's just all hell like it there's nobody Mm -hmm. raccoon city is just in shambles um like the outbreak has happened and she just stands there and cocks the shotgun and the camera pulls the camera pulls out on her and just this, you know, in empty, foggy Raccoon City. Like, that would be awesome. 
it would be awesome if you ended that if you ended the first film you do the mansion incident you do all of that really really well and then part two you can explore raccoon city i think the fact that they tried to combine one and two didn't work as well if if you would have kept one its own film and then you could have combined two and three because two and three take place at the same time like simultaneously of each other um but it just felt weird without Nemesis. It felt weird without uh, getting to see Umbrella trying to close off the city and cover up what was happening. And like, it just, it felt rushed. I, I felt like, I don't know. I felt like I wanted to see more of the decline of Raccoon City over those 12 hours. Or yeah, more. because if you, you know noticed, I mean? if you noticed at the end of that movie, they pretty much did away with 90% of Raccoon city storyline yeah they pretty much did because they destroyed the city and the only final boss was uh dr uh birkin it was birkin dr birkins and he's supposed to be oust in the first first game yeah and then in the next two games was going to be about about nemesis but we didn't get that so pretty much what what that movie pretty much said was hey you got you got the first boss but nemesis who's that that's well, it. I'll tell you That's what, it. Apocalypse did Nemesis really well because it built it up. It wasn't just like, mm -hmm. oh, there's Nemesis. Bye, Nemesis. Like, you know what I mean? It wasn't like, yeah, there they he built is, him up. it's gone. There he is, that it's gone. They built him up to be like uh, Alice's boyfriend, I guess, his his yeah. boy toy, to be like a mutated of the virus. Matt from the first Resident Evil. They turned him into Nemesis. Because he was he was infected and his body started mm -hmm. mutating and they were like, hey, before he fully mutates, like let like test on him, like go, like you know mm -hmm. they were, they saw him mutating after the liquor like hurt him or whatever, and like once he was infected and the umbrella people started going, write that down, write that down, write that down, and they threw. That's when you get the put him. I want him in the nemesis program, you know, and that was done really well. I and also I wasn't really a fan of the way they did raccoon city raccoon city kind of just seems like richmond kentucky if you've ever <laughs> like it really did it wasn't like a city it wasn't like like in the games and in uh even in the in resident evil apocalypse like raccoon city is i mean it's not new york it's not la it's not chicago but it's it's a city still i mean it's got high rises and it's you know again it's it's a city it's like a i don't know like i would say like a st louis or a uh, a, a Cleveland maybe or something like that. You know what I mean? Yeah, because we only of, got it's, like it's still a city. Yeah, in this movie we only got like what four streets probably. I could probably count it. I could you probably count the amount. Unless of there that was we more that we didn't see, but I mean, you even got kind of the where they pulled it, where they pulled out, and you kind of saw the city as a whole. They got the like, panel view of the town. It, yeah, it, it didn't look. Yeah. It, it didn't. I didn't get Raccoon City vibes from it. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. um, but again, that's not to say all of these criticisms. That's not to say that we didn't like Welcome to Raccoon City. That's not to say that the, it didn't do a good job. I just didn't. I wasn't a fan of how much they had to cut out in order to combine those first three games. Because if you really think about it, that's Resident Evil, Resident Evil 2, and Resident Evil 3, Nemesis, mm -hmm. all thrown into one movie. The mm -hmm. next logical chapter is Code Veronica and then Resident Evil 4. And mm -hmm. I don't yep. envision, unless we do a time jump, I don't envision this Leon going, being on the Secret Service and going to Europe to save Ashley Grant. Like, 
I don't, I don't see that happening. It doesn't make sense for what they've done, you know? No, not at all. And so far, all we have is, like, all we have are, like, zombies and liquors and probably a, and mutated. Yeah. So, and it in Resident Evil 5, it, isn't there, like, some type of, like, supernatural, like, thing that's going on or something like that? Oh, there's tons. Dude, they, they yeah. haven't even scratched so, like, the surface. Of, mm-hmm. of the creatures and the, the the mutated animals and things like that that they could do, you know exactly. So and we but, did get the dog too. We got the dogs. And oh yeah, the dog. Three. The CGI behind that was pretty pretty trash. <laughs> but that's not that's not that's not a part of like story wise. That's just yeah, budget that's, wise, which is yeah. understandable. But I still my st- my question still stands is why is that the case? Like why is it writers and directors have trouble or they they never seem to be able to hit the mark on video game adaptations. Like, why is that? Why is it that Paul W. S. Anderson went the way he did, and why did Old Boy from Raccoon City went the way he did as well? I, I don't know. I mean, even, let's look at the Paul W. S. Anderson films. I, I really enjoy. I enjoy all of them for what they're worth. Um, mm-hmm. I think the first two are really really good, actually. And again, he had to cut stuff out too. His story is a little bit different. He didn't do. Um, you know, Alice is not a character in the video games. Alice was made up for this. Um, the mansion was done a little bit differently. It's not a straight adaptation, um, but there's something that feels a little bit more Resident Evil than mm-hmm. Welcome to Raccoon City did. So I guess I'm slightly a little bit more forgiving of it. Um, I would say this: are... the first, the first Resident Evil had the same vibe as the Doom adaptation with Dwayne mm-hmm. the Rock Johnson. Except it was more, it hit, except it had more of a Resident Evil vibe in my eyes. And some of you guys may agree with me, but the Doom adaptation was pretty trash as well. Dude, their dogs were the best. The Paul W.S. Andrews. They were literal, like Doberman pinchers with prosthetic, like makeup Mm -hmm. on them and like, you know, like prosthetic appliances. Like they were scary looking. They were scary. I think they were still like, I think during that time, prosthetics were still like a main stage of that time. Yeah. And then now it's like, oh, how CGI can we get and make it look good? Yeah. Obviously, I don't it's There's not working so out many, right now. That for, we're 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 gonna take uh, like a half a season or whatever of purely and simply evil, and we're gonna do all of the Paul W S Anderson Resident Evil films. Um, they just something about it, like that first one was legitimately. It, it felt Resident Evil. It felt, you know, if you're a fan of the original games, you know, there were moments, especially in the first three with the fixed camera angles and the way, you know, I, I, I was actually listening to something on my way home, kind of, you know, getting my thoughts ready and um, uh, about the history of Resident Evil. When they did Resident Evil three, you know, they were like, okay, we got to kind of up, we got to up it a little bit. We got to up the replay value. We got to, we got to make things a little harder. Plus you got to think this is PS one days. They were trying to uh, discourage renting the game. They wanted people to buy it to make more money, duh. So they made it harder. There was a seven zombie minimum per scene or like per scenario. So like at any point in Resident Evil 3, you would not see less than seven zombies at a time. They wanted you to feel like you were in a horde in Raccoon City, like you are just completely surrounded and you're literally just trying to fight your way through them. 
And there are a few moments in that first Resident Evil film, I think about when they're up on the rafters after um, after Michelle Rodriguez's character is bit um, and stuff like that. And like they're climbing up on the rafters and all the zombies are reaching up for them and they're bloody and they're all moaning. And like that, that was a Resident Evil moment that it's claustrophobic. The camera angles are fixed. You're up on these rafters. So there's literally only so many like directions you can go. Um, it was good, man. Like it, that, those first two films had some <clears throat> really, really nice moments in them. And then extinction happened. And from there on, we kind of got a little bit cheesier and cheesier. You know, the cheese yeah, amped I up. Agree with that. Um, and I will say, uh, even in the later films, like we did get Chris, we did get Leon, we did get Barry, we did get uh, a, a few but, different. Staples. As you can see, those were just there to be there. Exactly. There was no yeah. point. They didn't. It wasn't like, oh, Leon. Yeah. It was like, there's Leon. There's zero backstory to still, any single one of them. There's Chris. There's Barry. Yeah, you got Chris there's, when Chris was Redfield like, you know, was introduced. In the Paul W.S. Anderson movies, I shit you not. I thought to my head, I was like, bro, they got Eminem in this movie? I was like, that's dope. Because he looks so similar to him. And then I realized, no, it's just another character. Yeah, They're just a different actor. So I was like, okay, well, whatever. But still, I didn't feel like the original the original group from the Resident Evil video games, I didn't think they mattered in those, in those movies. Because the way I see it is... <laughs> When it comes to a director and video game adaptations, you got to understand that directors want to direct. They have their vision right. of a movie. And you could say the same thing, you could say the same thing with like um with like the new Halo TV show. Yeah. The 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 writers and directors themselves said that they have not played Halo. Mm -hmm. They've never played the game, the Halo the Halo franchise. I don't agree. They only they you only should. read up, they only read up on, you know, you source material and they go with it. You should have which is why we have a facelift we have a maskless master chief that's why we have them talking about all that stuff that's why we have that type of vibe in yeah. that fucking in that fucking uh tv show but that being said the halo tv series does do a good job and and like uh Presenting the lore to all of us, I guess, so to speak, yeah. because when it comes, when you hear like the Spartans talk about like the new equipments and the type of resources that they need and all that mumbo jumbo, the shit sounds interesting. It gets you really gripped in. It exp it expands the lore of it, right? But when it comes to some of these other movies, like Resident Evil, like Paul Thomas Anderson, when it brought up uh, the new those characters, it didn't add nothing except saying, "Hey, guess what." Their original group is in this movie now, yeah. but now they're gonna go away because we still have to talk about Alice. Which yeah, don't get me just... wrong, Alice was a is a great character, extremely complex in the beginning movies, and then she just became some type of fucking like telepathic like Scarlet Witch that shoots. But she that's she all I got from was that. it was like she became a superhero almost. You yeah, I mean? she became like Captain America, but for zombies. And yeah, while that's yeah. all cool and good for like. Uh, and I thought it was cool too. I thought it was dope because guess what? I grew up on Paul W.S. Anderson's Resident Evil. I didn't play the games. That's that's the Resident Evil I grew up with. And then when I started playing the video games, when I started getting some, when I started was able to hold, buy my own video games, I realized well, Re Paul W.S. Anderson's mo movies are pretty cool, but the original uh, franchise is absolutely epic. 
oh, the yeah. entire story, all from Resident Evil One to Resident Evil Six, because Seven and Eight are completely different. But it's a pretty big epic. But yeah. then we have, and then but so then when I went to go watch Paul of Anderson's movie, it's like, bro, this is night and day, two different universes. Right. Honestly, I I thought seven and eight were completely different, but I think I'm starting to kind of see the direction they're going. I think, honestly, the more and more I play seven and eight, the more and more I'm like, they actually tie into the original games a lot more than I ever mm -hmm. gave them credit for. You know what I mean? Yeah. Which, uh, and I I'll admit I haven't finished Village. I have I haven't even really finished seven. I, I've I did play through seven, but it was a long time ago. And I sped through it and I, I, I want to like, you know, I'm a person like I don't I know there's these speedrunners who are like they buy it the night it comes out and then it's finished by like 5 a.m. And I, I'm not like that. I like to take my time. Like I, I like to kind of explore the game and see what's going on. You know, I, I like playing it as if it's a movie, you know, and that's what I always liked about Resident Evil. I think that's what drew me to it, especially what drew me to Resident Evil 4, which was my first major love. Um you know, I remember playing Resident Evil 4. My dad actually started he I mean, he played it from the first time they came out. Um, I remember he really liked Survivor too. Resident Evil Survivor, which is actually one of the games that didn't do so hot. It it's not mm. regarded as one of the better spin-offs, but I mean it was fun, you know. But they feel like you're playing a movie. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. It feels like you're controlling a movie. And that's what made Resident Evil so special. That's and what that's what franchise so special to me. And that's what I think a lot of people are continuously disappointed with. It. It's the fact that every single one of these games or video games, they're a movie in and of themselves. If you are to go on YouTube and, and watch <laughs> Resident Evil, uh, the first video game, watch it straight through it's his own movie it's by like an hour and a half yeah it, that's what and i'm it's, saying and it's filled with source material that's if what i'm saying about Doom welcome to raccoon City, and all that like... other stuff yeah there's so much source material to come from with just one game like and what if... makes it and what makes it better is the fact that like i know movies are usually like the 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 shortest runtime i've seen is like an hour and 20 minutes or an hour and 15 minutes and the longest one, obviously, we know is like three hours. So there's a area between an hour, an hour and fifteen, or an hour and a half to like three hours, is where you can make a where you can present the story live action wise, and right. the story is there for you. Every yeah. single every single uh, sentence, every single action, every single uh, uh, role each one of them plays. And yeah, mm. I get it. Some people just don't want to see a live action remake of the entire video games. I get that. But where I draw the line is what I what I believe is you can present the you can present the game for what it is in a live action. But if you were to expand on the lore, that makes it even 10 that makes it 10 times better than the video games. Yeah. But then when you take away from the video games itself and go a different direction, 80% of the time it's not going to hit. I dare well, I say 95% of the time, it's not going to hit. I don't know. I, Paul W.S. Anderson's, I think f a couple of issues arose. Um, they they strayed too far. There was no, there was no time. If they would have gradually made the apocalypse happen, or if they would have waited, maybe if the apocalypse would have happened in uh, in, in Retribution or even in the final chapter, 
But we went from the mansion slash hive incident in Resident Evil to the Raccoon City outbreak in Resident Evil Apocalypse. And then by Resident Evil, I mean, the opening to Resident Evil Extinction is Alice saying, you know, the T-virus spread around the world, societies collapsed, you know, governments failed, you know, they couldn't stop the outbreak and the, the, you know, the pandemic took everybody and whatever. Like, there was no, we didn't get to see that. So now it's like, okay, well, now you're playing in this post-apocalyptic world. Uh, We don't have any of these characters. That's why, like, Leon was just like, well, shoehorn him in there. Let's get Chris, shoehorn him in there. Um, Even some of the villains. uh, Is is it in Retribution or Afterlife, maybe, that the the axe dude, the the executioner dude from Resident Evil 5 shows up? I was like, what the? That doesn't make any sense. It makes Mm -hmm. zero sense for him to be there and it i mean mm-hmm. i'm sorry but it doesn't it makes no sense um you know was... and they did some cool things with umbrella like you know wesker was really well done i loved the fight scene between chris and uh and claire and wesker when chris like the whole brother sister fighting wester thing like that was really cool but uh, so but a that lot of it assist... wasn't, wasn't well done either i know that's what Wesker's i'm saying it was, was like done. It was it was good. It was good. It was good. And then extinction happened, and it dipped a little bit. And then it was like every movie just kind of dipped a little bit more and mm-hmm. a little bit more. And mm-hmm. honestly, I think um, for me, if I like, if I was going to rank Paul W S Anderson's Resident Evil movies, it would pretty much just be a steady decline. Like it would, I think it would pretty much be in order. Same kind of with the Elm Streets. I think they're almost like in order. <laughs> you know what I mean? In order in terms of what I would rank them. You know. Um, so I don't know. I I do think, man, though, I, look, Paul W.S. Anderson's, at least it stayed different. I'm telling yeah. you. Yeah. Oh, Raccoon. my God. Yeah, you're right. It it deliberately stayed different. And I, I, listen, and I, think, I can respect and I can that. Respect I respect that. that. Yeah. Uh, and I'm not saying I don't respect Welcome. I know there's I just know there's going to be people in the comments and people who are listening to this and they're going to be like, you guys aren't real fans. You don't really you're not. You're blah, 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 blah. We are real fans. We're. we're but also we're having a conversation on a podcast, like chill out. Like, you know what I mean? We're not, if you know better hey, than why didn't you make the movie? I, because we didn't. Okay. It's okay. You'll be fine. Um, but I'm telling you, man, welcome to raccoon city. The mansion. Listen, the stuff at the mansion was incredibly well done. It was really, really, really spot on the whole thing with Chris. And the, I liked the zombies in welcome to raccoon city. I did. It was different. Um, but it was kind of true to Resident Evil, and it was kind of true to the game. Still, it had the whole, you know, it, you know, typically in Resident Evil, uh, the first three of the zombies were the typical Romero, whoa, you know, the wobbling walking zombies, um, like what you get in The Walking Dead. That you could have made the mansion into a terrifying hour and twenty minute film on its own. Just following yep. these characters as they and uncover I, more I clues say, and uncover more clues behind Umbrella and all the pharmaceutical stuff and the mm-hmm. illegal experiments until you build to they escape the mansion and then you end with the Raccoon City outbreak. Mm-hmm. And then you set yourself up for a sequel. Like, that's what I would have done. Um, I don't yeah, know exactly honestly, what it would have looked like. I know you can't have every villain, every monster, every cutscene in the movie, but that's kind of the direction that I would have taken Welcome to Raccoon City if it were me. Yeah, I would 100% agree with that because everything that happened in the mansion, the scariest part of Welcome to Raccoon City was at the mansion. 
Yeah. Nothing about 100%. nothing about Raccoon City. You technically scared me, or felt true, or felt Resident Evil ish. I guess. Mm-hmm. When it came down to Chris using a lighter and his knife to fuck up those zombies, that was cool. That was pretty. That was pretty that was, eerie. Pretty scary. Was. The introduction to the zombies, shot for shot, frame by frame, exactly how the game went. The first introduction to the zombies and the mansion was shot by shot, I would say. And that was pretty impressive. And that goes to show that a true adaptation would have been just as scary. I love that. And scene then you the have that when... hallway with the lighter. You have the hallway with the lighter. I don't think that was in the game, but no, it was it pretty impressive. Those moments what... right there is where I was like, a video game, a true video game adaptations with expanded uh with expanded like scenic views and like stories can can succeed that whole sequence with chris that felt resident evil that mm-hmm. truly yep. felt resident evil um i love that scene by the way even in the games even they did it really well in welcome to raccoon city when the zombie like lifts its head up and it just turns its head like sideways and you see him kind of starting to look and he's chewing and he's sitting there chewing and the blood is dripping like oh that's an awesome scene. It's a really good scene. Um, so we've kind of talked a little bit about uh, about you know our thoughts on Paul W. S. Anderson's franchise and uh, the Johannes Roberts Welcome to Raccoon City film, which again we are fans of. Uh, I actually really look forward to doing the Resident Evils and Purely and Simply Evil, which is our horror show. Um, they're gonna be they're gonna be a lot of fun to talk about. And they're gonna be a lot of fun to do because they're a blast. They are listen. If nothing else, they are an absolute blast to watch. Even the bad ones. Yeah. They both, really are. All both um, Paul Davis Anderson and uh what's her name? Johannes what? Roberts. Johannes, Johannes Roberts. Roberts. Both yeah. of those directors, it's a fun ride. I'll say that. But again, when you put up Resident Evil's tagline, you wanna see Leon, you wanna see Chris fuck up some zombies, and you wanna see <laughs> Ada Wong, and you wanna see Leon simping over Ada Wong, and that's pretty much what you wanna see. But when you don't get that and you have the Resident Evil uh, tagline on it, you're I'm I'm left slightly disappointed. But nonetheless, if it's a good yeah. story, it's a good story. Yeah, absolutely. Now, when the Netflix series was announced, I was like, oh, OK, this could be really good or it could be really bad. And when I first read the synopsis, this was probably about a year ago or so when the first synopsis came out, I was like, next. I was like, nope, sounds terrible, does not sound interesting. Um, Even the first trailer, I was like, okay, it looks decent. It looks really well done. I'm okay. I'm kind of down. But Miguel, I got to admit, man, the more and more I see and hear about this Netflix series, the more I feel very open to the story that they're trying to tell, um, which is kind of odd. I didn't expect that of myself, um, but I'm kind of like, I might be okay. And I will tell you this. I will tell you why. It's because they are moving away from the storyline and they're creating their own with well, some, with some uh, callbacks. Because if I'm not mistaken, this is supposed to be about Wesker's son. It's about Wesker's daughters. His daughters. Daughters. Um, My apologies. And Wesker is in this movie. The the first thing that is re- the thing that I was like that got me on board, and I have to say it was the thing that really got me on board with this. The show is or er, yes, the show is canon to the games. 
the games happened. The events of Resident Evil, Resident Evil, Resident Evil, Resident Evil 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, and 8 are canon in this show. Which is interesting. Bear mm-hmm. with me here. Interesting because it's like, okay, if it's set within the game's universe um, and everything that's happened within the main storyline has happened... That's kind of relieving to me. Like, I, you know, at first I thought it really would kind of be its own standalone thing. It wouldn't really, I, I thought it would feel weird in comparison to the rest of the games. But like, I'm kind of, if we can play around with the source material in this way, I'm, I'm okay with this. Like, I'm, I'm good. We can, we can do this. We can figure it out. Um, Is it uh, Andrew? Let me see. I don't know. Andrew Dab. I almost said Anthony. Um, Andrew Dab, who is the showrunner, had this to say on comicbook.com when he was asked whether or not, or he was, excuse me, he was asked why the Netflix series and Welcome to Raccoon City are releasing so close to each other. And this is what he had to say. They were developed almost simultaneously, said Dab, speaking to a group of media. And in some ways, that was very freeing for us because the number one thing you'll see from fans, we just talked about this a little bit ago, is they want a straight adaptation. Well, the good news is they have it, and it's a very well-done adaptation of the first two games. And so for us, it was like, okay, well, they're doing that. Let us go and kind of forge our own path. So it's not a coincidence. It was kind of designed that way. And the idea being that, you know, these two things can exist side by side again. Everything Welcome to Raccoon City is exploring and subsequent movies explore are things that happen in our world. That doesn't mean we're going to be sharing actors and things like that. That becomes more complicated. Obviously, their Wesker is not young Lance Reddick. But, you know, that was a choice that was made by Constantine and to add, uh, excuse me, and to kind of develop the most on page. So we learned a couple of things from that. The games are canon. Um, And, you know, I was actually kind of reading about Wesker because Wesker dies in Resident Evil 5. Chris and Sheva kill Wesker on the volcano Mm -hmm. at the end of Resident Evil 5. And he's even said there's a good reason that Wesker is still alive in this show. So Wesker somehow survived the events of Resident Evil 5. Which is interesting. Well then, um, well then, my question is, what the fuck happened to uh, Wesker's son in Resident Evil Six? Because there was a huge I don't know. That's a good question. You're right. That's a good that. question. So um, that, but that's not that's not to downplay the fact that this might be a terrible adaptation. This is just this is just my curiosity because yeah. this is what dare I say, expanding the story, pushing right. it forward, yeah. creating new storylines with it. Not just creating a story within the major timelines, right? And I think well, that's pretty, pretty. Uh, that's a pretty good uh, decision to make, right there. Yeah, and I and I can, you know, when he even says like, um, it was freeing to them because everybody just wants a straight adaptation. I kind of appreciate, and I like you even said a little bit ago. I respect the fact that they want to forge their own path. They want to mm-hmm. tell their own story. They're like, yes, the games happen. You still, If you want to get the main storyline, go play the games. But this is our version of what happens after the games. He even said, yes, you know, the, exactly. the village That's in the Resident Evil Village exists. Like, all of this stuff that has happened mm-hmm. in the games. You have to remember, in this universe, there is a Leon Kennedy. There is, like, our whole studded cast of people, because there are a lot of main characters in this game, 
Chris, Leon, Jill, Claire, uh, all everybody, they all exist in this universe. Um, so I, that kind of made me, I, I was like, okay, I can, I can respect that. I understand that, um, you know, that they might really use the source material. I mean, it, it won't be a straight, I have the hiccups. I'm so sorry. Um, it won't be a straight adaptation, but my only hope and my, my, my prayer is that they use the source material well. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Which, again, has been my biggest issue with all of the other live Resident Evil adaptations. Um, now, another thing that I actually saw this this morning from Netflix Geeked. I don't know if this was leaked. I don't know what it is. Um, but it has me all kinds of intrigued. Now, Resident Evil 4 is arguably my favorite video game of all time. Like between my dad and I, we probably beat that game close to 20 times or more. Um, it's never gotten old. And now the thing I'm talking about is if you're a Resident Evil 4 fan, it's one of the coolest sequences in the game, specifically Dr. Salvador, the chainsaw dude, better known as the chainsaw guy from Resident Evil 4. Bruh, he looks he like a fucking clan member from the Django. <laughs> he says, I can't see fucking shit out of this thing. He's just swinging the chainsaw, right? Yeah. So, yeah. the chainsaw dude, it has been shown by Netflix Geeked that the chainsaw dude is in the Netflix series, which is all kinds of interesting to preach to the choir. Like, what? Why? Which, okay, it, to be fair, it makes sense. If the games are canon, Las Plagas is canon, Ouroboros is canon, all of the other viruses, all of the other, uh, you know, because in 4 and 5, they, well, and 6, they had done kind of the parasite thing. Um, you know, so maybe the parasite gets a hold of somebody and he, and we get Dr. Salvador, we get the chainsaw guy, and it looks like zombies behind him. Um, that looks pretty sick. I'm excited. That's another thing. I was like, Ooh, I was like, okay, let's get lit, man. Like that's exciting. That's pretty cool. Uh, I also took a screen grab of the liquors from, uh, the second, which the, the second trailer's already dropped. Um, the liquors look pretty good. These aren't very high quality because it kind of happened pretty quickly. Um, but that's the, I honestly, I think that liquor looks better than the welcome to raccoon city liquor. Again, no offense to those guys. It looked fine. But that is a cool-looking liquor. Uh, even when he opens his mouth, that's sick. It looks like a body inside out. Like, it really does. That shit looks... It looks... Wet. Sick. And disgusting and shit like that. Yeah, it looks like a live animal right there. You know what gets me is, look at his hand. Like, look at, like, the hand. You see the white veins, like, on top of the flesh. Yeah, you can, see that with the, you, can say that, you can say that for the entire body, too. I know it looks really good, man. I I'm super excited. The liquors are awesome. The liquors are one of the definitely mm -hmm. like top 10 coolest uh, creatures in the games. So those seeing the chainsaw dude, seeing the liquors uh, again, a part of me was like, okay, we actually got a little bit more of the dogs. Um, there was also a giant caterpillar, which is interesting. I guess that's kind of going to be the snake, like the giant snake that you get in the first game. Um, that's oh, kind of going to be the snake of this one, which kind of looked dope too. Um, and then I had an article I wanted to pull up real quick and kind of read through about the Netflix series, because again, there are some interesting things um, that have kind of come out since 
we were planning this. It doesn't episode. suck even a little bit. I know, right? So this is coming to us from The Gamer. Uh, I saw two episodes of Netflix's Resident Evil, and it doesn't suck even a little bit. We spoke to Resident Evil showrunner Andrew Dabb and saw two episodes of the Netflix show, and it turned out to be pretty good. Written by Eric Schweitzer. This was from five days ago. So right before the kind folks at Netflix hit play on the first episode of Resident Evil, showrunner Andrew Dabb poked his head into the conference room and told us that the events of the show take place on the same timeline as the video game series. In other words, everything that has ever happened in the games has also happened in the universe of the show. The lights dimmed, and for the next two hours, I scratched my head, wondering how any of this could possibly align with the history of the games. I'm mystified by how this show fits into the canon, but I'm intrigued. Uh, and that's interesting to me. I, I I like that because it's like, okay, weird. We're doing something different, but it, it's almost like, I don't know. Okay. Okay. Go on, go on. Like that's the vibe I'm getting from this. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. it's weird. It's, it's like, I, it's weird, but I like it, you know? Yeah. But again, what I would say is like, I'm only making, I'm asking these questions as a curious fan that will be watching the show is if Wesker is going to be in it and it deals with the daughters of Wesker, where is that mean we're going to get? Yeah. Is that why, where, where is going to be Leon? Where is Chris? Because those are main foils of no, it's actually Chris. Chris is a main foil of uh, Wesker. Like they're arch enemies, I guess there you say. So, Are they going to be in it? That's that's another question I, I should ask. Yeah, and not entirely sure where that plays in. But what I but again, this is just a further plot within this franchise, and right. I like that. I like that direction that they're going with, because yeah. if you, if you are not going to do a, if you're going to do a video game adaptations, you don't need to recreate the wheel, so to speak. Right. You just got to keep that wheel going. That's the yeah. best way I can describe Absolutely. a video game adaptation. Yeah, I, I completely agree with that. Um, so going on, Resident Evil, the Netflix series, follows Albert Wesker, played by Lance Reddick, and his two teenage daughters, Jade and Billy, who have just moved up to the South African company town, New Raccoon City, run by the duplicitous Umbrella... Uh, dupl- Duplicitous. I don't know why I couldn't say that. Uh, Umbrella Corporation. Wesker, you might remember, exploded in a pool of lava at the base of a volcano after Chris Redfield shot him with a rocket launcher in the final moments of Resident Evil 5. So seeing him alive and well and working for the company he betrayed is one of the show's more palpable mysteries, at least for hardcore fans. So there's, Miguel, there's yeah. your there's your stereotypical, there's a rocket launcher at the end of it. You know what I mean? There's always a rocket launcher when you need it. Um, yeah, I don't really understand because if you remember the end of Resident Evil 5, Wesker's, bro, Wesker is in lava. I did not know he that this, I didn't lava. know that Lance Reddick. Yeah. I didn't know Lance Reddick was going to be playing Albert Wesker. Lance Reddick is playing Wesker. And it's interesting because 5 took place in Africa, so I guess he stayed in Africa if New Raccoon City is in Africa. Mm-hmm. I don't know. That's interesting. I'm curious to know where thing. that story goes. See, okay, look, there you go. See, this is where I'm saying. They're not trying to change anything from the original timeline that the video games establish. They are pushing forward towards another story or pushing the narrative further past mm-hmm. the games. That's cool. 
That is cool. I don't mind that. If it's done well and if the source mat- if they use yes, the source I material will, well. I will say they, that. If they don't use the source material well, then I literally don't care. I'm sorry, but I don't. Yeah, because you know? guess what? Star War- the new trilogy of Star Wars was was is canon, and that's trash, dog. <laughs> so is it really trash? Is it trash though? It's not good. <laughs> it's like C. It's like you it's exactly what I'm tip. saying right now. They presented our our main following characters, called it the Skywalker Saga, and then proceeded to fuck over the Skywalkers in the in the saga. Yeah. So that's pretty much where I'm getting at. Yeah, I get that. So that's that's pretty much what happened. They said, "Hey, these next three movies are canon," but guess what? You Skywalker fans. Fuck you. That's pretty much where we got. So, again, that could happen with this TV show. Who knows? But, yeah. nevertheless, I, I, I'm I, willing to walk into this uh, TV show the same way I walked into the Star Wars n- new trilogy. With open eyes and an mm-hmm. open mind. Because I'm excited Absolutely. to see what they see. If I like and, it, I like it. If I don't, fuck you. That's my opinion. And an open heart. Eat my sorry little ass. <laughs> All right, moving on. Uh, excuse me. Um, the show alternates. This is another thing that's really interesting. The show alternates between two timelines. I knew In it. In the present, Wesker is under pressure to finish development of a revolutionary new medication called Joy that is designed to make the whole world happy or perhaps compliant. It isn't quite ready for market, according to Wesker, due to unfortunate outbreak of the tea variety, if you catch my drift. So, this, uh, I don't know why, why Umbrella feels the need to keep coming back and using the tea virus. The the tea virus literally has caused countless outbreaks. It is arguably the most dangerous thing on the planet. And they're like, the tea virus, it's the key, it's the key for everything, you know? It's, I I don't understand. Um, So you, did you think there was going to be two timelines in the show? Yeah, I like knew I knew it was gonna play. Forth? I knew it was gonna play with like previous histories and then focusing. It's like callbacks. Yeah. Because if this yeah, is because yeah. if this is a uh, if this is a further narrative of the games, you have to do some call. You have to do some flashbacks to be like, okay, this right. is why that happened. Right. So I, I pretty much we're gonna get Wesker swimming out of the fucking volcano. I guess no. I'm kidding. <laughs> uh, so. <laughs> Uh, meanwhile, twins Jade and Billy are struggling to adjust to life in a new country at a new, and at a new high school with a father who's completely unavailable. The first episode, this is very interesting mm. too. The first episode has a lot more high school drama than I expected from a Resident Evil show, but it's to the benefit of the characters and to our understanding of their relationship dynamics. The show has a lot of world building to do before the shit inevitably hits the fan, and it manages to uh, establish both Jade and Billy as dynamic, compelling characters in an extraordinarily short amount of time. If you're worried this is Riverdale with zombies, you won't be by the end of the first episode. So, what do you... the, the drama thing, the high school drama is interesting to me. Um, it sounds like from this description, it sounds like we're really focusing on Billy and Jade, which is Wesker's children. Like we're really focusing on those two characters. 
and kind okay, of how they're fair. navigating this, you know? Mm -hmm. um, well, because you have to establish like what life is like at that very moment. Right. And then I could totally see the show going like this. Uh, Wesker and his, and his kids are going to this new place and the kids have to adjust to this new high school or all that other bullshit. Yeah. And then at the end of the day, as you know, one of Wesker, I think the daughter, Wesker's daughter goes to sleep. She wakes up and now she's in present day, so to speak. So like the oh, first couple, the first saying. hour is going to be like a, a, a past timeline. And then yeah. it's going to jump into like present day timeline where yeah. the world is fucked up. Kind of the same way the trailer works. You, you remember how yeah. like she, she lays down, she wakes up and boom, she's in fucked up land. Yeah. So I so can totally see the, that uh, happening. So there's the joy pill that they're working on trying to, I guess, make people happy. Maybe it's just a constant stream of dopamine in your head at all times. Tell me why that looks like. That looks like you know that you know that Disney movie. I think it's a Disney movie where like it's a medicine, like they're fighting and like they're like they're like fighting germs and whatnot. Are you talking I, about you're uh, gonna um Osmosis Jones? Osmosis Jones. He looks I like what's his name? I don't think I that's a Disney movie. <laughs> I don't think I don't bad, think that's guys. no. I don't think that's a Disney movie. I don't know. I don't know what that is. I don't think it's Disney though. Uh, I was gonna say yeah, I was like you're too. comparing. Oh, it's Warner Bros. I was like you're comparing a bloody pill and yellow paste to, uh, to a Disney movie. It's like the the what, um, bro? But tell me I'm wrong. Look, tell me why he doesn't look exactly. Oh fuck me. <laughs> there it is. Look at that. You know, a little bit. Tell me why he doesn't look like old boy with the fucking uh yeah, can. Maybe. I forgot what his name is, <laughs> but. <laughs> the pill the pill looks yeah, the like pill. and oh, that's man. who he is and that's who he is in osmosis jones he's a pill <laughs> he's like the isn't he like that's the penicillin funny. like cop that like you know I, down dude it's germs? been I, it has been ages since i've seen osmosis jones that's awesome though i kind of forgot that movie Drix. existed until just now that's awesome yeah that's exactly what it looks like dog that's awesome uh so moving on but that's just half the story. The rest of it takes place in a post-apocalyptic 2036 after what we can assume is a world-ending outbreak in New Raccoon City that damn Umbrella Corporation never learns. Adult Jade is studying the zombies called Zeros and understanding how the new T-virus changes over time. An unfortunate series of events lead her, leads her to getting attacked by an awesome-looking 80 foot mutant caterpillar. I told you there was a caterpillar in one of the trailers. An 80, an awesome looking 80 foot mutant caterpillar. That sounds like the most Resident Evil thing I've ever heard in my life. Um, before being dragged off to a survivor settlement by scrappers. Soon after, she discovers she's being hunted by Umbrella Corp operatives who are apparently still causing trouble. Oh boy, even at the end of the world, which is interesting. So hauled off to a camp by scrappers i'm almost getting slight walking dead vibes from this you know what i mean like not a lot just slight like there's communities of people that have survived you know the pandemic and the apocalypse and whatever else which is interesting uh discovering the events that connect these two timelines is at the core of the first season's eight episodes which defines the common label of live action adaptation after the screening, Andrew Dabb sat down for a brief Q&A and compared his approach with the series to the MTU, 
which we're going to come back to that in a minute, which doesn't adapt comics directly, but pulls from the storylines to build something new. That is very much how we approached this, Dab says. We're trying to be very conscious, and the games are our canon. We did not consciously violate any rules from the games, but at the same time, it's not a direct adaptation of the games. So they approached this almost in the same way that Disney and Kevin Feige and Marvel Studios has approached the MCU, where it's not a straight adaptation of the comic books, but they're using the comic books to build something new. They're, they're telling a new story, kind of a retelling of the same thing. So even though the games are canon, I guess this really is going to be something new and different that we haven't seen before. So how do you feel about that? They're setting up a universe. I mean, sure. Cause I, everything's got to be a universe now. Right. Yep. As, as per <laughs> usual, as I hope, I hope that when they do try to build it, they're not just trying to throw everything at you. It's like leave seeds for us to figure out. Yeah. Leave seeds for us to be to question what's going right. to happen next. Right. Because it's like, bro, that's even more dope. Because if you look at the MCU, again, say this over and over, the MCU is its own thing. It pulled yeah. from different stories, but thanks to the multiverse now, they can go to anything the camp is possible. Of like anything is possible. This is Earth 616, and the comics universe is something completely different than the mcu yeah. universe right so that's fine that's fair you can take stories and make and make a different narrative out of that yeah but it's whenever but again when you try to do adaptations and try to make it exactly like the game but then build something else but then like change the way it goes change the rules as he says that's when you that's when you that's when you uh violate not violate but like that's when you like cross a line of like what a video game adaptation really is. Yeah, I, I, I agree with so. that. Um that approach is different from both the Milia Jovovich Resident Evil series and last year's Welcome to Raccoon City, which more or less faithfully adapted the adapted 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 the first two games. This story is at once tied to the canon and free from it which struck me as a winning combination for Resident Evil fans and newcomers, at least based on the first two episodes. And that's an interesting way to think about it, too. Um, you know, it is tied to the canon. They still have to play around in that universe with those things that have happened. But at the same time, it is kind of free because it's its own story. You're not... Honestly, and, and that's why I say maybe there's hope for this. Maybe there is hope for this series because they don't have to rely on retelling the story of the games and pleasing fans they can do their own thing and still please fans because it's still canon to the games the games still matter the story and the things that happen in the games still matter you know yep, i think you're that pushing could, the narrative could... you're not changing you're not changing I'm... established yes, characters within yes, yes, yes. their timeline yes 100 percent. that's Perfect way of putting it. Uh, Dab reassured us that, yes, the show does address, uh, address the fact that Wesker died in 2009. There is a very good reason Wesker is back, he says, and it does not come down to the fact that he was wearing lava and rocket launcher proof clothes. Oof. Dab says we'll see at, uh, at least a couple of characters from the games in the first season and hopefully more if Netflix picks up the show for a season two. The showrunner was interested in exploring iconic characters we haven't seen in recent games. What were they doing during that time? In some cases, we kind of know if you've been following games. In some cases, we literally have no idea, he says. So it created some interesting opportunities for us. That's interesting. 
So again, there is hope. I'm telling you, I think there might be hope. There are there there is an opportunity to pull in Chris and Leon and a lot of the iconic characters that we've wanted for all this time. Um, maybe to explore, you know, I mean, listen, 2036. And I don't know when, I mean, I guess resident evil village takes place in 2022. So, I mean, that's 14 years in the future. So, I mean, you have 14 years to explore and figure out where is Chris, where is Leon been? Like where have all of these different people been in the last or four, what is it 14 years? I'm thinking about that, right? That's how math works. Yeah. 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 Whatever. Um, but like you have all that time to explore that and to try to figure out, well, this is where they've been. These characters have been here and you can kind of do that. Um, I was reading another thing. And he may even mention it further down in this article. That I think they are interested in a season two. I think like hundred percent, they want to do multiple seasons of this show. Yes. So, so what that means is that, they are they already have a season two like in place. They know where they want to go with it. Yeah. They're not just throwing everything at the board and saying, Well, this is what we have. This is all we're gonna Let get green wanna... for. Yeah. Like, yeah, so so that's pretty much the way I hope that it's gonna go. They're gonna keep the story at a cliffhanger and not trying to rush anything, mm-hmm. I hope. And then that way it can be picked up. Let me ask you this. Do you oh we're we're big. Do you think that's where Resident Evil Welcome to Raccoon City suffered. Do you think they yes. were like, I don't know if we're going to get a sequel. We better throw, we better just go at yeah. it for this one yeah. movie. That, 100%. That might be, that might have been a concern for the, for the, you know, for production. That might have been a crew for mm-hmm. the, a, a, a crew for the, huh, I need to go to bed. A concern for the writers is that maybe mm-hmm. they thought, well, if we don't get a sequel, we got to try to throw it all at the wall. You know what I mean? We got to try to just do our adaptation and do it well. Um, That that's very, I mean, that's true, man. Again, you got to think about everything. And, and again, we're not, this is by no means. Are we trying to, um, I'm not trying to hit on the fucking welcome to raccoon city. I'm just saying that there are factors within the movie industries that hinders a properly well-made video game adaptation movie from being that. Yeah. And the question is can we can we do that? Can we make a good video game adaptations adaptation and still do a good job in telling the story without the fear with the fear of possibly not getting a sequel, not getting a second season, yeah. and not knowing if we're gonna get anything else. The fact that the fact that they that at Welcome to Raccoon City that they threw everything at everything plus the kitchen sink on the screen. In hopes of saying, "Oh, this is a great movie. We want to see more." That's why. Right. That's one of the. I'd say that's probably one of the downfalls of Welcome to Raccoon City. Again, not saying it's a downfall. What I'm saying is that's one of the things that didn't really sit right with me was the fact that I knew from the get go or by the end was like, "Oh, you're just trying to, you're trying to throw everything at the wall and hope that the studio picks up a sequel." Yeah. Yeah. Because well, you and know again, how quick you know how quick sequels can come, right? Like it's literally yeah. within like a week after a movie is dropped, it's established. There's a sequel. Yep. And yeah, all it takes is a week. Well, it's and guess based what, on guys? box office though, too. I mean, if it if it yeah. comes out and it's destroying at the box office, they're like, go, you know. Yep. Um and guess and what, again, guys? Did, Has there did... been a sequel announced for Welcome to Raccoon City? <laughs> Not Dave, at all. Dave McCray says this on his shit. show all the time making movies is hard and that I, I listen i'm not saying we could do it better again we're coming at this from fans 
and two guys who get on YouTube and make fools of themselves on the internet. Like that's, that's what we're coming at this from. You know what I mean? Um, I think our ideas are valid, but uh, again, this is not to degrade or to, to downplay any of these adaptations. I mean, they're all great in their own right. Um, again, we're thinking about this as fans. Uh, so going back to this article to wrap it up real quick, uh, production for Resident Evil began before Resident Evil Village came out, of course, Resident Evil 8. But Dab says those events do happen concurrently with the events of the show. Village is part of our lore, he explains. If we want to put a giant vampire lady in season two, we can. I'm not saying we're going to, but it's an option. Uh, even more intriguing is the promise of revisiting familiar plot points from the series. When asked about Wesker's past, Dab says we'll see flashbacks to things both from the games and from the game timeline. Dab recognizes that the world of Resident Evil is vast and difficult to track. Between games, spinoffs, animated films, and comics, it's hard, yeah, it's hard for even diehard fans to keep up. What I wanted to do is create something that you could come to if you've played one game or seen one movie, you can enjoy it. And if you've played nothing and never seen a movie, you can still enjoy it, he explains. Uh, my hope is for these people, uh, excuse me, those people, for those people, this can be a gateway to a wider world of Resident Evil. I hope you will jump in with both feet because they're fantastic games. And Resident Evil, of course, debuts on Netflix on July 14th worldwide so there you have it uh there i don't know why i said that there you have it uh there you have it for uh I, I, <laughs> you, you lost for words my guy i i really am uh, i'm i'm telling you my brain is in about a million different places uh there you have it uh the resident evil series man i i think there's some potential there i really do i think they're coming at it from the right angle again like you had said earlier Use the lore, but don't rewrite it. You know, don't mm-hmm. completely throw scrap everything and redo it your own way. Just kind of nudge it, just kind of tie it along as you wish. You know, um, I think it'll be cool to see, uh, to kind of see where these characters have been at. And, you know, of course, th- my question is when they do Resident Evil 9, are they going to make Resident Evil 9 canon? <laughs> you know what I mean? I mean, I think we're still a few years away from a sequel to Village. And who knows? Who knows? This series could come out and not get a season two because it sucks. But yeah, I mean, I don't know. We'll have to see from what I've seen. I will say, I think the animation looks really good. Honestly, the animation friend that I saw in the trailers, at least, I think might even look a little bit better than Welcome to Raccoon City. Oh, I don't know what their I don't know what their production budget is. The dogs look really good. As we kind of showed before, uh, these pick these images of the liquors. If you're watching on YouTube, you can see it. The images of the liquors look really good. They look scary and gross. Uh, we also get Mr. The, the Chainsaw Dude from Resident Evil 4. Like, there's a lot of cool things that they can do with this series. So I'm definitely looking forward to it. We're gonna give it a watch. Um, again, I we are not at all trying to degrade or trying to um you know tear apart paul ws anderson's franchise or uh you know resident evil welcome to raccoon city those are all awesome in their own right and we love watching those movies i mean again paul ws anderson's resident evil movies have meant a huge deal to me as a movie fan and as a horror fan um They've given me a whole lot. They've given me the love for horror that I have. So again, I, I just, I love this franchise and I really care about this story and about this lore and this source material. And I just want to see it done. Well, Probably. you know, 
I, exactly. I want to see it done properly. I want to see him do justice to it. So, Miguel, any final thoughts before we skedaddle for the evening? Uh, I will say this. Um, Can I have your social security number? <laughs> no. Uh, so, <laughs> I'll say this. So, yeah, I'm excited for the Resident Evil TV show. Um, but to end, end the subject on, like, video game adaptations in and of itself... There's plenty of other uh, projects coming out that are video game adaptations, and we have we bear witness to most recent video game adaptations and how they don't really hit the mark as much. Yeah, I think until like um, I would say until like studios and directors and writers can figure out a decent happy place to say, okay, we have this massive epic of lore. How do we make a good story out of it? Yeah. Until we ha- until they are able to cut co- like co- like work together, we're gonna continuously get uh movies like Super Mario Bros. Remember those and Uncharted and fucking Doom and all these other movies. Like when when studios, writers, and directors are working well together, you get movies like Sonic and all that stuff. You get those yeah. types of movies that are based on video games. But they create a really good story. So, right. Yeah. Yeah. So I think it takes all parties to work together, pro- like, like, uh, conversely, to create a good story about a video game. And until then, we're going to keep getting uh, different pulls from all sides until, and, and then we get this lump of uh, whatever the fuck we continuously see and we pay money to see. So. <laughs> whatever lump of what we see i like that Um, yeah as always guys please let us know your comments or your comments please let us know your thoughts in the comments below that's what i was trying that's what i was going for um thank you guys so much for hanging out with us tonight please be sure to leave this video a like if you have not already uh and you know Definitely, we will do a full review of the Netflix series when it comes out. I'm definitely, I'm looking forward to watching it. Uh, do you think they'll release it all at the same time, or do you think it'll be like you have to wait a week to see a new one and then wait a week? You know, I kind of think they'll do like the Stranger Things thing and just drop just it leave all. everything out. Yeah, yeah I think I, I'd probably say it work all, but. We'll do a full review of that series when it comes out. Thank you guys so much for watching new episodes of Let's Talk Movies and Purely and Simply Evil premiere every single Tuesday and Saturday at 8 p.m. and 10 a.m. Eastern. We are on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok at We Talk the Movies. You guys are amazing. God bless, and we will talk to you soon. Have an awesome rest of your week. See ya. See ya.